All roads lead to power. And on this show, we're going to break that idea down a little bit. What is power? Who has it? How do you get it? We'll deconstruct everything from motivation and mental health to anti-racism and addiction. Ultimately, the goal is to give you the tools and strategies that you need to live your most powerful life, being a force for good in the world and impacting the people around you in a positive way. Powerful is brought to you by me, your host, Jeff Kular. I help people change and build incredible teams. Welcome to the show. A realization that power without love is reckless and abusive and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship itself. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline. If people don't learn power, people don't wake up. If they don't wake up, they get left out. All right, welcome to today's episode of Powerful. My name is Jeff Coulard, and today's guest made the move from working in social work for a long time to you know building a home business and spending more time with her kids out in the country doing things that she loves. This is someone that I've worked with now for, God, it's got to be about a dozen years or more. Um, first at Enviro's Base Camp doing addictions treatment where we were staffed together, um, but later and now and working together on these types of projects. This, this podcast is... Uh, made possible largely due to lots of her efforts. So uh, welcome, Jess Mills, to the show. Uh, you're a social worker by trade. Um, we're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about community, uh, primarily that first essential ingredient for communities. Um, but welcome. Thank you for making time to sit down with me today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Awesome. So let's give the listener maybe just a little bit of the backstory around, let's go all the way back to, I think, 2007, if I'm if I'm if I've got my dates right, which is possible that they're wrong, but somewhere around then, when you started working at Enviro's base camp, um, what brought you there? Um, what kept you there for quite a while? And then we'll dig into maybe what what that experience was like for both of us. Great, awesome. So you're only off by a year, 2008. <laughs> um, I arrived pretty much with all my life belongings in the back of my matrix my toyota matrix i drove out i'm from bc and i was living in the mountains doing um tourism adventure tourism work and i had come across enviro's base camp at an aee conference um which is an experiential education uh conference that i attended a few years earlier and i just thought what they were doing was amazing we'd done this drumming circle and it was all about healing and working with youth and nature, healing addiction. And I just was hooked. I applied for the job. And then when I got it, I was kind of surprised. And I'd always vowed that I'd never moved to Alberta. Nothing against Alberta. I was just a, a BC girl through and through, grew up on the island. and But I was intrigued. And I moved out to Canmore. And I started working there. I was 23 years old, just a little baby myself. And um, the rest of my life kind of changed from there moving forward in many magnificent ways. Yeah. I think base camp has that impact on a lot of people. I think it's a turning point in, in a lot of our journeys. I mean, it's certainly a turning point in mine. Um, and so that's, uh, let's, let's dig into what it was like maybe from, you know, at the age of 23 looking for meaningful work, it sounds like, um, you know, really interested in healing and wellness and working with youth. Um, 
what was the experience like? And in hindsight, because, you know, both of us are now out of it and doing other things, but looking back, and this is a common theme from lots of staff and, and people that I talked to from over the years, is that Basecamp is a very special place. It's got a very unique culture, very unique community. And, you know, identified last week some of the ingredients in that community. You know, the first ingredient being a really clear problem or challenge that united the staff team, united the culture around solving that problem. So maybe we'll we'll dig into that one. Um, I'm going to save the other two ingredients for another podcast episode. Um, but what do you think about when you think about what challenge united the community at Basecamp or what problem were we tackling at a, maybe at a high level? And then we can talk about what that looked like in practice. Yeah, I guess when I think of Basecamp as a community, I think of it as a much more natural state of being than how we live now, or I guess how we live in society. And what I mean by that is that, you know, everyone has such a purpose daily and there's really no running from what's in front of you. Like you can't hide from it. Everyone's in it together and everyone has a defined role within that larger community. And, you know, just as a whole in society, we're experiencing this epidemic of loneliness, addiction, depression, anxiety related disorders. And at base camp, it was like you were connected. You weren't only connected to the people around you, um, but you were connected to nature. There was no distractions. There was no phones, you know, like you really, there was a felt sense of purpose and that extended beyond helping these youth with their addictions or whatever journey they were on, it also, we were all on our own personal journey and supporting each other and defining what it was that we were here to do. Yeah, it seems like, you know, something that struck me early on, and I'm curious about your experience around this, was my perception of addiction and my perception of things like anxiety and depression and what the the causes were and what, therefore, what the solutions were. And pretty quickly into the journey, I remember asking you know, colleagues and, you know, other healthcare professionals, you know, what is addiction? And <laughs> not being very satisfied with the answers that they were giving me, um, because it didn't align up with what we were doing out, out at camp. It didn't line up with um, they, these being symptoms of underlying problems. And, you know, when I hear you talk about connection and purpose and meaning, and like that to me was the problem that we were solving as mm-hmm. a community, it was a sense of purposelessness or a dis- mm-hmm. disconnection that was driving a lot of the, the challenges and the issues that, that young people and families were, were facing. Um, let's talk about connection. Like what, because it, it's an easy word to throw around, I think. It's probably in lots of brochures. You know, we provide a safe, healthy, fun connection, connecting environment. Um, and that's not always the experience that people have. Basecamp, you know, wasn't always fun, Right it was often very challenging. Um, and I think that that was an ingredient that was actually particularly helpful. You know, I think I have lots of memories of pushing trucks out of snowbanks on the drive to or from base camp or having to learn how to drive a, a shift stick plow truck that was 30 yeah. years old through the meadow and not stall it and try yeah. to clear the road. Like, you know, lots of memories of making the community work and doing what you needed to do to, to pitch in and the, the connections that that created at a much deeper level between us as colleagues you know i don't never worked at a place where i maintain friendships with colleagues for a dozen years after the Mm -hmm. fact right like it's just it's a it's a rarity what do you think about when you think about the importance of challenge or the importance of kind of shared problem solving yeah i mean i think going back to what you like your first question around connection i think 
a lot of what I noticed was that these youth coming in, it was that they'd never, all that they felt was a lack of connection and that maybe at that stage in their lives, they hadn't actually never felt connection. Mm -hmm. And they found that in their own way, a lot of them, whether it was going on, you know, a 10 day canoe trip and it was a seed that had been planted weeks earlier, a question or a solo in the woods. And it was something that they came to and that they, they realized almost in their on their own. And you saw that aha moment for a lot of kids. And we would do some reflection at the end of each day and just hearing these young people with these insightful moments in their life where you're just, it's so, it's such an honor, you know, and I know you were there for a lot of them as well, because it's not something that I think even people at 30, 40, 50 years old sometimes get to experience. Um, so that, again, I think the lack of connection is where people were coming in and whether or not they knew that when they started the program, because as you know, we saw a lot of kids walk up the meadow and a lot of them had these giant walls built around them and these hard shells basically saying like, good luck, <laughs> wilderness therapist, <laughs> good luck, <laughs> try to get in. And, you know, it was it was just that we were consistent and we didn't push, we didn't pry. I think it was something that we did really well and Maybe even it was that we were 23 and we we weren't so far away from, oh, there's a train going by. Um, we weren't so far away from maybe having some of those feelings or experiences ourselves. I don't know. But I think um, it was that we did believe that those behaviors were just, this, were just that exterior shell of trying to um, push us away because that's where, you know, they could protect mm-hmm. Uh from having to share what was what was underneath it all. Yeah, it seems like you know, connection is such a big a big topic and there's so many different things that we can be connected with and connected to. Right? We can be connected to other people, we can be connected to nature, we can be connected to meaningful work, we can be connected to our own values and you know, we like connection is, you know, one of those things that I think sometimes loses its meaning because it's so broad or so general. Um, so do you have any tangible, uh, like really concrete memories or examples of like when connection really like stood out for you, you know, maybe it's on one of those trips that's, that's something meaning like something happened or your own experience as a staff and the changes, um, that you made. Um, I, it's funny. I was thinking back this morning before our call and all these uh, had a flood of different youth that I'd worked with and thinking of their, their faces and their, their journeys, their own personal journeys. And there's one that really stood out. And I think our relationship definitely changed something in me, but I, I, I want to, I believe, and I hope that it changed something deep within her and she had shared that And back in the day. I mean, this is going on eight or nine years ago, but she came in, um, very surface level and again was trying to put up that wall or she did successfully put up that wall but just through consistent you know we would go into the cabin I would bring my guitar I would have my dog and she loved my husky back then she just would always say well she sleep with me tonight <laughs> say, of course um but it was just through our connection over time and it, and it didn't come overnight I think it was you know weeks upon weeks of playing guitar and just you know, getting to know one another. And then finally um, we went on a big long walk down in the meadow 
And as we were walking, she just started talking and we weren't making eye contact. She just was looking at the ground and walking and she was sharing some of these horrific things that, that had happened in her life. And it was just, I mean, it was devastating to hear that at, yeah, at such, a, such a young age, she'd witnessed and experienced such awful things. And I just listened, you know, I just held space. I just walked alongside her. And at the end, I said, you know, like, I, I am, I really don't know what to say. Like, I am so sorry that this has all happened to you. And I really thank you for, for sharing. And, you know, we kind of left it there. And then as time went on, she kept sharing more and she ended up writing one of those beautiful um, stories and left it at base camp as a uh, example for new youth coming in of, you know, where your journey can take you. And we stayed connected over time. She would call back at camp and um, yeah. So I think my example, what I'm trying to highlight there is just holding space, intentional listening, like not having to have, an answer I guess to why these things happen or you know but just being consistent um not demanding anything from that relationship and uh holding on to that connection for with her as well and again like I said it it changed something in me as well because I I think that was something new to me. I always do want to solve a problem or I always want to give advice. That's kind of <laughs> my go-to I have to hold back from. But it, I, I had kind of been coached through one of the family therapists because I was like, oh, like we had this moment. And, you know, there's a bit of coaching there too in my own um, professional journey of like, hey, like you you don't have to, and and you don't have to have an answer here. The best thing you can do is is hold space and and walk alongside this youth. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That's uh, I'm having my own flood of memories of walks in the woods and uh, mm-hmm. canoe trips and, and uh, rock climbing moments with, uh, with kids when those, you know, those little breakthroughs, those moments where something fundamentally changes. And I think that, I think you hit on something critically important about the work of helping the work of, being alongside people on a journey and not being an expert with answers. There's a real push and education, healthcare, even in our organizations as leaders, feeling the need to have answers to things and to be an expert um, doesn't create space for people Mm -hmm. often to have an experience. Like sometimes, yes, people, sometimes I find myself looking for answers and I just, I need it from somebody and I'm clear about that. But more often than not, we, we have the answers within us, right? Mm -hmm. And we have the, capacity and the strengths and the things that we need. Um, and so one of the, I guess one of the underlying problems maybe at base camp, and we can dig into this a little bit is the view of the problem, the view of what is addiction, anxiety, depression, therefore then what's the answer. And I think that the, the mainstream view of these things is wrong. I'm just going to put that right out there pretty strongly. I don't think that it's solely a biological problem and that people are broken. Right, mm-hmm. which is kind of the mainstream view when you look at it. You know, you hard pressed to get probably a psychologist or a psychiatrist to admit that. But when we look at the interventions that we do, when we look at how we treat these things, it's mm-hmm. very much a something's broken and needs to be fixed. And mm-hmm. you as an individual need to go and get help. We, we live in a very individualized world, um, mm-hmm. which may be highlighted or contrasted with base camp so profoundly for the people mm-hmm. that experience it as staff. It's like the rest of my life is really experienced often as an individual moving through the world. 
And here mm-hmm. I'm in a space that I'm being forced into community. And so that's an aside. Maybe that's, you know, a piece of it, but mm-hmm. that contrast was really strong, right? For a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. But going back to the problem, you know, if you view the problem a certain way, then that mm-hmm. guides your work, right? I will treat you as an individual and we'll try and fix whatever's wrong versus mm-hmm. there's a fundamental disconnection here or there's mm-hmm. a dislocation from what's meaningful, mm-hmm. right? And it's causing distress, no doubt, right? And the, the behaviors that we exhibit when we're distressed often are very much like addiction, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to look far in our own lives. And I know I didn't have mm-hmm. to look too far in my own life to be like, oh, that mm-hmm. thing I do when I'm stressed out about my thesis mm-hmm. that I'm writing, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty addictive, right? Like mm-hmm. that ice cream in the freezer is pretty tempting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, that's part of the, part of building a community, I think mm-hmm. has to be a really clear understanding of what the, what the actual problem is that you're trying mm-hmm. to face or what the, the, the big challenge is. Thoughts on any of that? Yeah, I guess, like, all I can think of is that fire pit, Jeff, when I think of community and, like, how intuitive it is to sit shoulder to shoulder with people around a fire and that, like, it it's intuitive. It's where, you know, whether we're solving a problem in that our own community at base camp was struggling with something or someone was passaging, someone was graduating the program, or we were celebrating something, it just felt right. And I think, like I said earlier, like it's more natural state for me than how we live in society. And, you know, it's, we're meant to be in a village, and we're meant to be in a community. And I think in a lot of ways, that village is broken and sometimes our youth are the ones that are well I I do believe that our youth are the ones that are suffering the most and it was really devastating to see parents um, come up to the program or caregivers and to be in their own struggle and to feel really lost as a parent and to be desperate to know the answer right and I, I wasn't a parent back then but I feel like now being on this side and now that I am a parent, I like, I empathize with them so much, but I also like, I feel like, yeah, I empathize with them because I want to give them big hugs basically. (laughs) Um, And I also think that we did a really good job at base camp in that we said that, you know, it's, it's, we treated the whole family when they came out there. Um, but I think, again, like if we could have been treating the whole community <laughs> to mm-hmm. help support this youth, that probably would have been almost better. And we talked about that a lot about the transition, because I remember having youth go through the program and having those aha moments and like one youth in particular being so distressed about going home and like, what do I do now? Like my parents were my heroes when I came in here and now I see them as real people, you know, and that they made their own mistakes. And, and, you know, again, it was like, you don't have to do anything. Um, It's not up to you to change other people. But now we can look at what you've learned and how you're going to cope when things go wrong. So rather than coping by going back to meth or, you know, calling that friend who used to call when everything seemed out of control in your life what are other ways that you can cope so that you don't have to end up somewhere you don't end up again so yeah I think that collective it is the responsibility of the community and the village to help raise the young people and I think that 
right now with a bit of this epidemic around a lost sense of community, in my opinion, it's, it's our, our youth are kind of being, um, I guess, shot out from that. Yeah. They seem to be the kind of the first sacrifice, right? Yeah, totally. This mindset or this mentality that community is not important. Um, you know, it's always the, the more vulnerable people, the people without power that suffer the most, um, when community breaks down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that realization probably a couple years into the work for me around 2010, when, you know, my wife and I, we got pregnant with our first child that there was a click a switch that went off for me. My wife's a teacher, teaches grade two, and she'd come home with stories of kids who were disconnected in grade two. And I was like, Oh shit, like 10 years from now, I know where this kid is going potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. may not be base camp, but they're like things aren't going to go well if that doesn't. And it's like, why isn't the rest of the system doing anything? Like, and so that really has been driving my work for the past decade has been, you know, working one-on-one with kids at camp or working with a staff team at camp to help 40 or 50 kids a year. And those families is great, but this is a community problem and Mm -hmm. we need to have some community solutions. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited about this particular little series of podcasts because it's been percolating for a long time about how do we actually do that? How do we build these powerful intentional communities in places that maybe have lost that, right? Mm-hmm. The communities that we find ourselves in that are fairly disconnected and disjointed. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing the impact of that in our politics and, and in society and in us versus them type stuff all the time. So that's a, we'll park that issue. That's a big one. Um, mm-hmm. But when you think about the lessons from camp, if you can take a step back mm-hmm. from, because obviously camp is a special place. It was down a long winding dirt logging road out in the bush, running on diesel generators and we lived there for days at a time and you know it's hard to replicate that Mm -hmm. but what do you do in your own life that replicates or is intentional around taking some of those lessons those things that you learned and bringing it with you or how how have you found yourself bringing base camp um ideas of community forward and while you're thinking Mm -hmm. about that i'll give two examples in my own life i'm actually Mm -hmm. sitting at a big kitchen table that i built um Actually, last year, because I realized that one of the things I missed most about base camp was uh, the the dining room and the big wooden tables and benches that we would sit around and have family meals. And so that was something that I was like, hey, I can recreate that and I can create that space in my own life. I also have a little fire pit in the backyard because I think everybody should have a fire pit that you can sit around and have meaningful mm-hmm. conversations or just sit by yourself and sip some whiskey at the end of a long week if that's uh, if that's your thing. Um mm-hmm. What, what have you done? Do you have anything that you can point to and say, oh, that's that's a base camp thing? Yeah, I mean, I think um, one of my big things is around when I'm feeling that lack of community is, or I, I was feeling, sorry, I was feeling a lack of community um, after leaving base camp and I kept searching for it in a workplace. And so I, I realized that, you know, again, the uniqueness of base camp and that how unique that was to be able to not only... Well, I mean, you don't live at your workplace very often, right? So I think that was such a unique ingredient of why base camp, because you literally saw all sides of people, um, the whole person. But I think not waiting for community to come to me. So I've really tried to um, maintain and grow my community and be conscious of um, just my connections and maintaining those connections. Um I see it kind of like a happy marriage, like happy marriages don't really just happen. They take maintenance, they take work. So, so, so does having and building your own community. 
um, as well as just the power and a need for nature. Having two young kids, you know, sometimes the mountains seem like they get further and further away as you have children, but just making intentional trips to the mountains and camping trips in the summer, disconnecting, turning our phone off, really listening to our kids. And um, that's been something that we've really made a push for, especially as our kids are getting a little bit older and they seem to be loving it. So that's, those are two examples, I think for me. Awesome. Thank you. Well, let's, uh, we're going to make this a short one because we've got lots mm-hmm. to talk about, um, about community, but I want to, I want to do it in bite-sized chunks for people because it's a big idea. And if we talk for too long, we're going to forget that the, 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 the separate ingredients. And so today we were talking about kind of the, the, the importance of problem definition the importance of making sure that we, as a community, whatever that community is, whether it's a partnership in a marriage or whether it's a, a neighborhood, whether it's a school, like whatever scale of community you're at, I think that un- really clearly articulating and understanding what what you're there to do, right? And so we'll often say like, this is the vision, but visions often lack like very kind of practical. Um, so I find like a vision plus this is the challenge we're facing and this is what we think about this challenge and this is what unites us around how we're going to tackle it. I think that's a really essential ingredient um, in, in community and in powerful communities, in communities that share a sense of purpose and, um, our people can show up and be their authentic selves. They can bring their, their whole, whole self to the table. Um, you know, I think that that's what we're all searching for. Um, and you know, you and I were lucky enough to find it at base camp, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword base camp. It, it <laughs> teaches you, you know, how to truly, live and be be a human in community and then it kind of wrecks you for finding that community elsewhere i've heard that theme before and i've certainly experienced it myself and so um i wouldn't trade it for the world but i I do need to uh, speaking from where i'm at um be a bit more intentional about the community that i'm creating and make sure that it it's aligned with some of these ingredients as well totally and I, i think i just feel lucky you know like i was talking about that lack of connection like in order to know what connection really is I think you need to feel feel it and it is a felt sense and unfortunately I think a lot of people don't ever get to experience that so as much as it's hard on the on the aftermath side of it I think uh, I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones mm-hmm. well thank you very much for carving out some time on I'm sure a busy day um parenting young children and and working and all the things that you've got on your plate so i certainly appreciate your time and anything any last minute things that you would send the audience towards do you have any favorite i guess resources or podcasts you listen to i mean obviously mine but, <laughs> but anything else that you're like hey this is this is this resonates with me and this is kind of aligns with my community my ideas around community Well, someone I love is Tara Brock. I'm always listening to Tara Brock. She has one hour talks about all, all different um, things around community as well as meditation. Um, The Rich Roll podcast. I just listened to one about um, Sadie Lincoln that I thought was really interesting. So can throw that up in the show notes as well as powerful, of course, (laughs) top of the list. Awesome. Well, thank you very much again for your time and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Powerful with my friend and colleague, Jessica Mills, where we talk about the power of holding space, the power of really being present with people and kind of the power of a campfire or a walk in a meadow or bringing your guitar and your dog to 
just hang out in an evening with a kid to to build relationship and to build community at the same time. This little trip down memory lane for me around base camp is really bringing up some questions that I have about community in my own life, and I hope that it's doing the same for you. And so this week, my challenge to you is to think about the communities that you're a part of and think about how intentional they are, how powerful are they, how aligned are they with tackling a shared problem or a challenge in a way that's inclusive, in a way that uh, fosters authenticity and fosters connection, even if it's hard, especially if it's hard, uh, because that's where meaning lives and that's where we find the things that are most meaningful to us, I believe, are the contributions that we make and the experiences that we have in community. And I was certainly blessed to uh, spend a lot of years with Enviros at their base camp program. And if you want to check out more about what they're up to, you can check them out at www.enviros.org. And as always, thank you for listening to Powerful. I really appreciate you lending me your time and your attention and your listening hours for discussions like this, discussions around what's most important and what's most meaningful to us around power and community and ownership and all the things that we've been talking about here on the podcast. And a big thank you to those who have taken the time to drop us a rating or a review on iTunes or Podbean or Spotify or any of those platforms where you get your podcast content. It really does help us have a bigger impact in the world and reach more people. And so if you haven't done that yet, I would love it if you uh, if you took the time to do that. It would be really appreciated. So again, thank you so much. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you again very soon.